Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Forgotten True Crime by Oki Investigations, the true crime podcast where we tell stories of crimes that happened long ago. If you're a true crime fan, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. That way, when we have new episodes, you will be the first to know. Also, check us out on our Facebook page over at Oki Investigations, and you can visit our blog at truecrime.blog. That's where we post a lot of the cool things that we found for each episode. This episode, the Christmas Tree Murder Case, has a lot of exciting stuff for you to dig into. Make sure you go over there and check it out. Parts of this story may contain opinions and speculations and should be taken as such. These stories depict violent crimes of all types and may be a trigger for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello everyone and welcome to what I'm calling the 12 Days of Murder. From now until the new year, I'll be debuting several new episodes that are Christmas-themed. Many of these cases are ones that you've probably never heard of before, so make sure you subscribe to the show. Like I said before, that way when we have new episodes, you will be the first to know. And it really helps us out a whole lot. When you subscribe to the show, it tells the different podcasting networks that you want to listen to this show. And so they recommend this show to other viewers so we can all grow. So any help is very much appreciated. So this first story takes place in Hornell, New York on December 21st, 1925. Christmas time makes us do silly and strange things sometimes. We get out, we decorate our houses with lights and inflatable snowmen. We tend to spend a lot of money on family and loved ones just to make their day a little brighter. Now, this is not really a bad thing, really. We could do with a lot more of this in our world. In 1925, things were not really different. They put out decorations and gave each other presents, but sometimes when we are all ready for everything just to go right, we don't think before we act. And that's precisely what this story is about. 21-year-old Floyd Dennis and his wife, 18-year-old Minnie, were about to celebrate their first Christmas with their new baby boy, two-month-old Keith Dennis. The newfound parents wanted everything to be just perfect for their bundle of joy. Minnie desperately wanted a Christmas tree. There were several tree farms that they could go to and just purchase a tree. But Floyd was used to just going out to a field somewhere and chopping one down. It would save them money and 
all they had to do was take a cart down with them and they could easily take the tree back home. So that's what they did. Floyd, Minnie, and little Keith walked down with a cart to the outskirts of town. Keith was having fun riding in the cart. Once they found the perfect tree that would look great in their home, Floyd walked over to it and began to saw it down. The tree fell, and Minnie was so excited that they found their tree with ease. Floyd loaded the tree into the cart, and Minnie took and held Keith for their walk back into town. They turned the cart back around and started on their trip. Within a few minutes, they saw a man in a horse-drawn buggy approaching them. As they drew near, they realized that the man who was driving the buggy did not look too happy to see them. They both stopped, and the man got out of the buggy and approached the Dennis family. Where did you get the tree? the man asked. Floyd pointed up the road and said, we got it up the line. That's a lie, the man yelled as he drew nearer to Floyd. Floyd then asked the man if he was drawing firewood and the man stated that that was none of his business. Floyd then pointed out it was none of the man's business what they were doing with their tree. The man believed that Floyd had entered his property, which was a working farm, and that Floyd had chopped down and stole one of the trees. The man finally got so mad that he told Floyd that he would break up the tree and show him what right he had. The man tried to get past Floyd. Floyd yelled out, Don't you touch the tree or you'll be sorry. He then pulled out a small revolver from his pocket. The man looked at the gun and did not believe that it was real and said, That doesn't scare me. So Floyd cocked back the hammer to show it was real. But when he let go, the gun fired. The angry man clutched his stomach and fell to the ground. The bullet went right through him and struck the wagon behind him. Amazingly, the man got back up and staggered and then fell back into a ditch. He was helped back into a buggy by two boys who were passing by at the time, and they quickly left the scene together and took the injured man to the hospital. Floyd and his family quickly made their way back into town. They made it back home and told their family what had happened out on the road. Floyd was somewhat distraught about what had happened. He told his parents that he warned the man that he would shoot him. He had every right to protect himself, and the man still approached him. So he shot him. He also stated that he believed that he was within his right to protect himself and that the police would not charge him. They called the police and told them what had happened. As it turned out, they already knew of the shooting, but didn't know who was all involved. The man who was shot was Lynn Taft, a local farmer and milk delivery man. He was at the hospital alive, but they didn't know if he would survive his wound or not. Police came in and interviewed the Dennis family. Floyd gave his statement of what took place how Taft approached him, threatening to chop up their tree, and he felt like he would do him harm as well. 
So he pulled out the pistol and he accidentally fired it. Since they now had his statement on what had happened, they arrested Floyd. Right now, this was kind of an assault type case, but things would get much more severe. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. On Christmas Day, Lynn Taft was losing his battle in the hospital. He died in the early morning. This did away with any assault charges and changed them to murder. One of the things a prosecutor has to figure out is what degree to charge someone with. In this case, where Floyd insisted that the gun went off by accident, you might think that he would be charged with second-degree murder, but the state felt that they had enough to try Floyd for first-degree murder. The very nature of first-degree murder is that it was premeditated. The state would have to prove that Floyd not only set on chopping down the tree, but he fully intended to kill anyone who tried to stop him. A tricky thing to prove in this era. Even trickier than that was that the Dennis family hired one of the top attorneys to represent Floyd, attorney John Aulis. On January 12, 1926, Floyd Dennis entered a not guilty plea to the court. With the help of his attorney, they were planning on a unique strategy to help Floyd. You see, Floyd was a strange man, and by today's standards, he would have probably been considered mentally ill. Floyd had a weird bouts of paranoia and thought that others were out to get him. His family had found him with a gun several times and had taken it away from him and actually hid it from him. But on this day, he found the weapon. Floyd was set on getting a Christmas tree for his two-month-old baby. It was something he had fixated on. Yes, his wife wanted it too, but he particularly just fixated on that. The defense was preparing to show that Floyd was not in his right mind at the time of the murder. The trial began on March 24th, 1926. The state first called the two boys who had witnessed the murder to the stand. They both told the same story, how they came upon Floyd and Lynn yelling at each other. They described Floyd warning Lynn that he would shoot him if he tried to take the tree, and that's precisely what happened. But one thing that they testified was that Floyd just took the tree quickly and left as nothing significant had just happened. He simply went on his way. Now, these two boys tried to actually get away without actually helping Lynn. They just wanted to get out of there and get away from the man with the gun, which is understandable. But Lynn actually spotted them and begged them to take them to the hospital. 
feeling very sorry for him, they went back, got him, loaded him up, and took him to the hospital. The state also called the police officer who arrested Floyd. He recounted the story that Floyd had told him, how he was just minding his own business when he was threatened by Lynn. He told the officer that he had shot the weapon on accident, but that he did feel like Lynn was going to attack him. It did appear during the trial that the police officer did not feel like Floyd should be charged with first-degree murder. He backed up the story pretty well that the gun was discharged on accident. Now, the defense intended to show that Floyd was unstable. They called the doctor to the stand and told of how Floyd was a fragile mind. Floyd believed in fairies and saw things around him that no one else could. It was his opinion that at the time of the murder, Floyd was actually insane. And at the current time, nothing's really changed. He was still insane. Floyd also took the stand himself and told his story once again for the jury. He didn't change any details and described everything very calmly. He didn't show much emotion during the trial. But in a way, this only kind of supported his case, if you think about it. Then several character witnesses took the stand. Floyd's parents were the first to take the stand, along with his brother. They all described how odd he was as a child and adult. His mother read letters he wrote from prison, wishing that Lynn would get better, and how sorry he was for the shooting. In the letters, he described how shocking it was for the gun to go off and how he didn't want to shoot or kill anyone. The defense rested, and the case was sent to a jury. They only deliberated for a few hours and came back with a verdict. They pronounced that Floyd Dennis was guilty of second-degree murder. He was sentenced to 6 to 12 years in prison. This is pretty important because his sentence could have carried a little bit of longer of a sentence there. Secondary murder can be a harsh penalty. This worked out well for Floyd because avoiding first-degree murder meant that the death penalty was off the table. Both sides of the aisle were disappointed in this verdict. Floyd's family wanted him to serve no time for the shooting, and Lynn's family didn't really feel like they got the justice they deserved. Floyd would spend the next four years in prison. In 1930, he was let on on parole. In prison, he stayed out of trouble. He was a model prisoner, so letting him out was probably a pretty easy decision. After prison, he stayed out of trouble, and Floyd and his wife Minnie spent the rest of their lives together. Floyd was a still worker and a member of the Magicians Association of Buffalo. Floyd died in 1971 and Minnie died in 1995. This is a hard case. This is a hard case to settle on how I feel one way or the other. If truly mentally ill, I think that's the right decision to give Floyd a charge of second degree murder. But then I also asked if he was truly insane, 
how does locking him up really help him in any way? But in 1926, the view of the mentally ill was utterly different than it is now. We now have programs, medicines, and doctors that spend their lives dedicating to helping those with mental illnesses. Back then, there wasn't really much good in mental health science. I myself have worked with many mentally ill patients, some of those with pretty heavy records behind them. I always found it kind of sad that for some of them, they got some charges that were put against them, some of them felonies, and the crimes that they had committed were only committed because they were mentally ill and were not medicated at that time. Some of that can be really seen as not really their fault, and a felony charge can follow you for the rest of your life, making it very hard to get back on your feet later on in life when you've kind of got things more together. That's why it's ever so important, and I'm very happy that a lot of our local law enforcement here, where I live in Oklahoma, are trained to recognize mental illness and respond properly. It's not an easy job, and it's something that I have much respect for in our law enforcement here. Anyways, guys, what do you think about this case? Do you think justice was served, or was the sentence a little too light? Let me know over on Facebook. You can comment on the post over there. Or you can find the blog post over at truecrime.blog. Make sure you subscribe to the show. It helps us out so much, as I said before. I hope you all have a wonderful week. I'll see you all next time. See ya.